0: Welcome to The Near Memo, a weekly conversation about search, social, and commerce. What happened, why it matters, and the implications for local. Welcome to episode 39 of The Near Memo. I'm here with David and Mike, and we're going to be talking about lots of interesting things. In fact, we had a long discussion about what we were going to talk about, because there are too many things to talk to talk about this week. Um, we won't be talking about the Facebook meta um uh, rebranding slash metaverse maybe we'll do that later uh there's a lot I do to say have to on say that, a quick but... comment i can't
1: i can't resist the the landing page uh for the rebrand which if you type meta.com that's how i got there um is one of the most dystopian landing pages i've ever seen it's a bunch of people you know alone in their social metaverse with their vr goggles on and there's one there's one where a guy is like texting on his phone and his girlfriend has this like what the hell, man? Like I'm right here kind of look on her face. Uh, it's just there and Zuckerberg in this sort of, you know, weird dystopian, uh, ex machina style landscape by himself. I mean, it's just a really horrific piece of marketing, uh, from a company that n- desperately needs better marketing. So. And I um,
2: saw on Twitter that a Wendy's was going to rebrand as meat.
1: <laughs> that's one of the best responses I've seen. So anyway, that's not one of the main items. I just felt yeah. like we had there,
0: to, there have been a bunch of these brand you know, jacking <laughs> tweets yeah, that have been, have been yeah. pretty funny. That meat yeah, is very, very funny. Very good. Um, <laughs> anyway. In, in today's world, that might work as a fast food brand. <laughs> oh, but
2: then you'd have, to, you'd have to sub-qualify whether it's real meat or synthesized meat. That's right.
0: That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, or, and then veg, right. vegan synthesized meat because Mike McDonald's has been using synthesized meat for years. Um, okay, so we did talk about meta, sort of, um, but uh, uh, also um, I, I'm writing about. But we'll, we won't be talking about the uh, the Uberall fake reviews report that came out together with the TripAdvisor which, which was a great and, uh, report. Of, I think
2: people should download it if they haven't seen it. I thought you did a, you, a really nice job on it. So I, I can thank you. You know, toot your your horn if I I can endorse, endorse it. it. You
0: can oh, endorse yes. it. Well, I mean, regardless of whether or not. My work is good. It's a, it's an important issue for the for the industry, and not enough is being done. And I'll put the download link in the uh, in the newsletter today. But I am going to start off with uh, an item that actually appeared last week in last Friday's newsletter, but really didn't get any coverage uh, or discussion that I could see, um, and that was uh, the announcement of Amazon's local selling, which is uh, an effort by Amazon to. Um, essentially, utilize its small business sellers in any given geography to act as um, buy online, pick up in store outlets or local delivery sources for well, products. Was it just their so, products, words, or was it
2: anyways products?
0: It's well, as far as I understand, it's third party sellers, and it's their own products that they have in store, and they have to apply. Right now, you have to apply for this. And it's, a, it's kind of a little bit under the radar, but I thought it was a fascinating announcement because Google's key strategy in competing with Amazon has been to show a mix of local inventory and e-commerce inventory, right? So they, they can sort of claim that we're the, we're the source of, you know, the totality of options for you and to, and to really emphasize the local online to offline uh, kind of experience, and Amazon, really, that's, that's something that Amazon hasn't been able to offer. And now they're sort of dipping their toe in the water of trying to do something like that and really leveraging their sellers to compete with Google. Um, it's not so much a benefit for the seller as it is a benefit for Amazon, ultimately, if they can get this going at some kind of scale.
2: It's an area that Google, I thought, when they posi- when they started this effort several years ago, I thought it was brilliant positioning by Google to create an alternative way of getting into reclaiming product search at a local level and they've done a number of things with this regard recalling frugal right making merchant center free uh, partnering with shopify to get all this real-time inventory up and now when you do a product search you are likely to see local results which i so google has been killing it i think on this front i don't know how much success they've had but i think from a uh, development point of view and i see amazon's response as. Uh, to some extent a day late and a dollar short I'm not I, sure
1: I, I also noticed I happened to use Google shopping a couple of times this week and there was a, a filter in there I hadn't remembered seeing before which is you can actually check smaller stores as a as a oh, source really. of the products that you're looking at on Google shopping
0: what, what is the verbatim what is the verbatim name smaller of stores? Yeah, something Small like store. that. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I yeah, haven't seen so that I, either. That was that's new to new. me
1: anyway, but I feel like there's a new SERP <laughs> feature I, every day that seems new to me that Barry Schwartz covered three years ago. So um, <laughs> so anyway, I, I agree with both w- both of what you guys are saying or what both of you guys are saying in terms of, of you know Google's market positioning and everything else. I wonder on the Amazon front if it's not going to extend a little bit further. Uh, Mike, you've written historically that, or, or previously that the Kohl's, uh, partnership for Amazon Prime has been a win-win uh, for both parties, and it's not that far-fetched to see this rolling out to smaller merchants than Coles as part of this program. Re- you mean return, return the, exactly making return, them into return centers? Which is, which is you know, Coles yeah. has data to suggest that people buy X number of dollars in Kohl's every time they return an Amazon item. Right. Um, so it's it's possible that something like that, you know, can come of this partnership as well. I continue to think that that Amazon's real Uh, you know, the the real businesses that they're destroying are large CPG brands and large in-store brands like traditionally in-store brands like Walmart, Target, you know, big box stores. I think that their dent in local businesses has been a little bit overreported and uh, small businesses have seen tremendous success as marketplace sellers in, in much the same way that they have succeeded selling on eBay or other online marketplaces. So I, I think that this is a, a, you know, it's a it's good branding for Amazon. It's a good market strategy uh, against Google. And I think that there could be longer term benefits for local merchants. So
2: yeah, to make a it, point on what you just said, like the borders of the world, we're not a business, but there's now more independent bookstores than ever. Is that true? Is that is that really true that, that historically there I don't know really about more, more, more but they're growing again. Like, uh, let me put it that yeah. way.
0: Well, so interestingly, Amazon, and in addition to everybody else, uh, I mean, this has been a very heavy week of earnings. Uh, Amazon reported their earnings yesterday, and I didn't look at them in detail. But one of the one of the things that I did see was that their their growth was really sort of flat to non-existent, right? So, so what's happened is people are starting to go back into stores essentially, and they're buying less stuff online, and Amazon is seeing that um, in its numbers. And so, this may partly be you know, I mean, I think everything that we've talked about is true. And I think your point, David, about uh, some of these stores being returned, you know, places where people can return products is really a fascinating one. But I think that this is also partly a response to to what's going on in the broader market is that Amazon really fundamentally recognized that the offline component is is really essential for, you know, future, future growth. And there are all sorts of ways in which they've developed offline, you know, presence, uh, including sort of hypothetically their own discount stores, which they may or may not open, uh, but that was a rumor. Yeah,
2: their, uh, their expenses were way up too, as they sort of had to cope with supply chain issues and delivery issues, and they doubled down on investing yep. in that. So their expenses were way up, although usually with Amazon, I don't see that as, as a big issue because usually when they invest like that, it's not just a short-term thing. They're, they're building capacity. And I saw, uh, tangentially to that, I saw that they have now become the number three Package deliverer in the United States. I think passing yep. FedEx and to be third behind UPS and United States Postal Service.
0: Yep, yep. Um, well, we could talk a lot more about Amazon and a lot of interesting things going on there. But I want to move on in the interest of time. And Mike, you did a webinar yesterday for Duda uh, with uh, Joy Hawkins and Ben Fisher, in which you talked a lot about images on Google. And I know that's a, a particular. Interest of yours, sure, we all did. Joy has done some with... great
2: research, yeah. but I mean, to me, what's interesting about images and Google is this arc of the historical arc where Google started developing their AI to understand image content and how that's affected the local search result where they are now driving ads, local packs, mobile, uh, organic result with intent driven queries. They're delivering up images that match the query. And it represents their increasing understanding. So if you, for example, do a product search like a Nikon, whatever uh, product, a Nikon camera, and that will show up in the ads. It'll show up. Images will show up in local pack. Images will show in the organic mobile uh, thumbnails. And this is all done without the benefit of image alt tags. It's no. done with Google's understanding of the context and the content of the image, and it also and this, works
1: with. It doesn't even have to be a specific product; it can be a generic product category, such as strollers. Uh, <laughs> right. And you'll see the stroller department at Walmart showing right. up in an image in the local pack. So right, so
2: so that we talked a lot about that, and how a company like AirCam, who I'm consulting for, is leveraging this to understand how they understand images. So when you take the image initially, it can be clear that the image is understood by Google because Machine learning is never perfect and they often make stupid machine learning mistakes. And it's important for SEOs to think about images in that bimodal way that it has to serve both the aesthetic interest of the business as well as the technical understanding that Google has of the image. So we talked about that in great length. The other thing we talked about was video and how video. And one of the things I just wanted to mention here was just this tactical idea of using Riverside for local SEOs or for any SEO to generate content. Riverside is the proc we're using to record this, which what... Which you have no economic relationship with. I have no economic with. relationship with. That's correct. Um, if, the, uh, if the FTC yes. is listening. But the idea was that you could use this to interview your small business customers who have tremendous hard time generating content for their website. Ask them eight or nine questions, Get eat, get two-minute answers... They get they're super high quality. They're uploaded to the cloud. You can then edit them, transcribe them, and have a year's worth of content in a half hour or an hour recording session. And it was just about and so I just see the bit evolution of these video tools and the evolution of these photographic tools as something that agencies can leverage for their clients uh, for significant gain. And I think that's an amazing thing. Two
0: quick points on that uh, I mean increasingly search is concentrated on mobile devices images and video are better suited to mobile devices you know in terms that rather than extended text articles um, and then um, what's uh, what's
2: oh now I'm blanking on the second point I well, was the second make. point I would make is um, that Google is now going to be using <laughs> as we go forward over the next five years Google is going to use images as part of a query string Right. That historically you've been able yeah. to drop an image in the lens, get a oh, single answer back. But now you can add context to an image that you're dropping into Google search and textual context and Google will answer the image query in context. So Google has used it historically for search results and matching intent. Now they're actually going to be generating. So it opens up a whole new area of SEO, which is matching images to the, to the queries. I don't even know how that would work to, to search, search intent. intent, right? So. I, I remember. I remember oh, the, the okay. second thing I was going to say. Like mine so, in, so increasing. Much,
0: okay. No, no, I liked <laughs> it, but um, I, it's related to what you said. Is that is that increasingly sort of visual search will be uh, whether it's being conducted um, sort of online in in a sense, you know, like uh, the Instagram uh, search for related products feature or Pinterest, right? You're on the site and you click on an image or you upload the image, as you, you're mentioning. Or, or if in the real world, right? I mean, you're you're in a in a store and you take a picture of a lamp or a chair, or you're out in the world and you take a picture of a stroller, right? So those those are increasing use cases going forward, and Google wants to be able to serve them, you know, and it can today, but I mean, it'll get better and better um, as an alternative sort of vehicle for search rather than a kind of query in a box,
2: which speaks to the actual use of AR as opposed to the imagined use of AR in. Meta's introduction yesterday. To circle back to uh,
0: to the to the to the company, we're not going to talk. We won't that, name.
1: No, yeah. I, I'm going to take um, a, a stab at a segue, though, Mike, from images <laughs> to the importance of images within your Google My Business profile to draw in customers. And uh, Joy Hawkins finally, after years of me bugging her, although I'm sure that wasn't the real reason that she did it. Um, finally published the results of her ongoing analysis of where, where leads for her clients are coming from vis-a-vis the GMB profile versus organic uh, results. And it's something that Mike, you and I have highlighted for years. Uh, It's great that Joy finally published this data, which historically had only lived in one slide of a MozCon presentation from like 2019 or something, uh, which went to show that GMB is responsible basically for three three to one uh versus uh google organic leads uh for a whole range of categories i think insurance uh pi lawyers uh might have been a dentist in there i can't remember what the third category was um but it's it's just it's pretty staggering that gmb is responsible for you know for so much of the ultimate conversion of your customers and i still think it's just wildly neglected by businesses of all sizes with respect to their SEO investment. Right. There's people are spending all of this time on on site SEO. And when reality, they need to be focused on the point of contact or the point of decision for a whole range of at least getting customers in the door, uh, which is GMB and a a huge part of that is images. Uh, So there's a, a historic underinvestment in image optimization. A lot of things Mike was just talking about two minutes ago. Um, there's, I think, a historic underinvestment in reviews uh, and a historic underinvestment in just general responsiveness to customers on GMB, whether that's leaving questions unanswered or reviews unresponded to. So I just feel like it, it, the more that this story gets out there with actual data from studies like Joy's uh, published on SterlingSky.ca, um, I'm hopeful that that will start to move the marketing conversation a little bit uh, to where I think it should be if if you want your business to attract customers.
2: And this trend, which I've identified in the Google as your homepage presentation, I think in 2017, the local you advanced for Barbara Oliver. At that point, 60% of her leads or something were coming from Google My Business directly. When I reanalyzed that six months ago, 90% were. So that number is growing so- as well.
1: And, and so with, Joy pointed, it's, it's pretty, Joy pointed it's that pretty, out pretty as well that gmb uh, leads are growing across the board in all these categories whereas organic leads were much more volatile and that's the other thing is like you're you're much more subject to the whims of whatever whatever the algorithmic algorithm update there is whereas yeah. with if you're focused on gmb you've got a strong gmb presence a that algorithm has seemed to be more stable historically at least anecdotally to me and b you know it's something that consumers are actually going to see even on a on a recovery search as opposed to a discovery one so
0: so, so uh, I mean, I've heard SEOs disparage the people that are focused on GMB. You know, kind of talk talk negatively about them, and that this is this is sort of child's play in the SEO world versus what they're doing, which is a much more uh, elaborate and important uh, function. But in fact, I mean, as you're saying, that you could just concentrate your entire effort if you were if you were a business that had a physical location or a service area business, you could concentrate your entire effort on. Uh, Google My Business and and be fine, you know, without any organic optimization. I mean, organic I mean, optimization plays one. into how well you perform in these. Yes, things, it's a right? ranking factor. Right. It's it's definitely a ranking factor according to Google. But but if, if for a small business that doesn't have a lot of time, doesn't have a lot of money, this is where to concentrate. Well, even ahead, to the, I
2: mean, the point, the reality of local is you need a website to, to yes. serve your local Google My Business. So in terms of priorities, website and Google My Business are sort of tied for first. But if... It, but you can use one of these platforms exactly.
0: that has built-in it, optimization. Oh, correct.
2: Or you could even, if you're really low-end, use Google websites that right. as, as, you, as, you, a, yeah. which as which you did with
1: that spot to be a case study, right?
2: Correct. So there are... But you do have to have a website. That's yeah. what people need to yes. understand as part of this. It could be... You know, a free website, it could but it, you have to have one that's visible and indexable and and has what you do and where you do it, all that sort of stuff. Obviously, if you invest more in that, you think you're going to do better in Google My Local. But you could satisfy I mean, my, 90% my, of your demand with those two tools. Right. You add email to capture all these customers. You've got a, a trifecta of future success.
0: Right. I mean, my my point was only that you, you that you would focus your effort, that you you know you would not be distributing your your e- energy and 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 resources equally. I mean, I think for serv- there's a longer conversation probably for service area businesses because sometimes they have trouble right. in GMB you know getting and in getting fact there's
1: reports this week that there's a you know been a decline in in SAB. A yeah, bug. wait, it, whether it's an algorithmic update or a bug. Uh, Mike SABs, a bug, SABs right? have been much more historically impacted by radical changes in GMB than other types of businesses. So, yeah,
0: yeah it's right, and that's and that's a whole different area and and challenges. But so, all right, so we're at time. Last words today? Any meta words? <laughs> I'm going to
2: rebrand as Mike.
0: <laughs> meta Mike. I'm waiting for my
1: meta profile to uh, start capturing all of these. VR followers that I know must be out there somewhere.
2: I did see that they're coming out with a watch. I'm not going to switch. Just saying.
0: <laughs> You're talking about yes, a Facebook you know, watch? No, a Meta watch. A Meta that's watch, so can, right? That's, a Meta watch. It's not a Facebook watch. That's right. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. Meta I, watch? Is quite, that the brand? Yes, I assume. That's so they can Meta watch you <laughs> all the time. Bada bing. Bada anyway, bing. all right. On that On that dystopian, but yet still a humorous <laughs> note, we'll end today's uh, near memo, and we'll see you next all week. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for joining David, Mike, and Greg. To stay on top of the latest developments in local, subscribe to our newsletter at nearmedia.co. We'll see you next week.